you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney prior to and during questioning. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. You understand your rights? Warning, each episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast will contain descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature and are for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. These facts are I'm retelling were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life or Real Crime Podcast. And actually, it's a patron bonus episode to all my biggest supporters out there, or at least y'all that can help me financially. I just got to say thank you. And these bonus episodes are one of the ways I get to do it. It means a lot. I wish y'all knew how much time and effort goes into this. And I'm not, I'm not bitching and I'm not complaining because I love it. I love to tell stories. Um, I, I love the fan base and the friends we've made around the world. And it's just, it's been an amazing ride. Unbelievable. But the amount of time that goes into it. And then like my wife's back in school now and. And I'm traveling all the time, et cetera. And then she comes in from school and has to edit every day and stuff like that. It's just a lot. But I've, I'm just saying, I want y'all to know we're not getting rich off your patron money, but it certainly is nice and it helps to offset some of the costs of the show. So with that being said, I want to do an episode and I'm going to call it Dirty Cop. All right. We had a little bit of a controversy last week with another podcaster that I did a, an hour-long interview with on his show a couple months ago, and it was a good interview, and I didn't know at the time that this guy's evidently a cop hater, I mean, um, but he just recently released a show where it said all cops are bastards, and you know, basically said all cops are dirty, even if you join to be a cop and you're a good cop, so you're still dirty because you're a cop and we should abolish prisons and all this bullshit. So I immediately contacted him and I demanded that he take down my episode, my interview with him. During that interview, I told him, he asked me kind of a slight roundabout way that um, he said, you know, I don't trust cops and I think most people don't trust cops, et cetera. And what do you think about that? And I told him, I said, you know what? There's no more bad cops today than there were 20 years ago. I said, the difference is, is the culture and the way that people look at police now and law enforcement and everybody has a camera. 
So, and I told him, I said, you know, I've arrested cops before. And that reminded me this old controversy and the little, it wasn't a big deal. I just told him to take his stuff down and we had to get rid of one of our uh, dream team moderators and some other fallout. I guess we got bigger show problems now, <laughs> if you will. But it reminded me of this ep- episode that I'm, I'm telling you today, Dirty Cop. And this really fucking pisses me off every time. And I hadn't thought about it in many, many years. But I'll tell you, it must have been like 2006, maybe 2005. I don't know. But it was, it was in the, when I was working as a detective for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office, I came in on a Monday morning. And I had my, oh, you know what? It was after, must have been 2006 or after, because I had my own private office then, uh, which nobody had their own private office except for the chief of detectives, uh, Stan Carpenter. But the reason I did is because I also did polygraphs. So I was down in my office and my phone rang and it was, it was Stan Carpenter, or chief of detectives. And he said, hey, Halston, I need you in my office. All right. So we go in there and he said, come in and shut the door. And I did, and I'm like, I knew it was going to be something good, right? I've been in this situation many times before. And he said, listen, he said, I need you to go over to Hammond and get with the Hammond City Police Detectives. He said, we got an issue. I said, what's up? And he said, last night, one of our deputies went over to have sex with an underage kid in Hammond. And I was like, what the fuck? And, and I said, how they know he's a deputy? He said, he showed up in a blue and white. Now, Livingston Parish is known, their sheriff's office is known for its distinctive blue and white patrol cars. All right. And it's called Willie Gray's Blue. It's like a, it's not a light blue, but it's not a dark blue and it's not a regular blue. It's lighter than, than a regular blue. I can't explain it. It's, you never see anything like it, actually. I mean, it's a very distinct color. It's kind of cool, though, right? But the old sheriff, Willie Grays, kind of came up with that color himself. And Ford actually started calling it the Willie Grays blue uh, because of all the units that he ordered. And then they were had to be painted special with that color. So back to it. He said he showed up in a blue and white. I'm like, what the fuck? He said, yeah. He said, just going over there and find out what's going on and call me and let me know what we got to do. I said, all right. So I went to the Hammond City Police Department and I met with Detective Wayne Savick. Now, Savick, y'all, is spelled (laughs) S-C-I-V-I-C-Q-U-E. Anyway, Wayne's a cool dude, man. I've known him, had known him for a long time before that, and I actually... Met him through his father, who just recently passed away last year. So, Wayne, if you listen, uh, I love Mr. Buddy, and he's a great guy. And I'm sorry I didn't get to make the funeral. Now, Mr. Buddy was a cop for like, I don't know, 40, 45 years, whatever, and had a canine back when I used to work the street. And he'd come out from Springfield Police Department, and we got a lot of dope together. But Wayne worked for the Hammond City Police Department. And, and Hammond's a pretty good-sized town. I actually started as a uniform patrol officer for the Southeastern Louisiana University Police Department, which is inside the city limits of Hammond. And I knew Wayne since then. Uh, I knew him back when he was a canine handler himself. But he was a detective. And their detective office is separate from their headquarters. And I go over and I say, buddy, you know, 
what's up? And he said, dude, you're not going to believe this shit. And he had a couple other detectives with him in the room. And his wife, um, whose name I won't say, she's a beautiful girl, uh, was in there. And, you know, she gave me a hug and everything. And uh, I said, what's up? And she said, you know, that I work undercover on the task force on child predators. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. And she said, well, I do. And I get online with them. And, you know, I, she she looked young, y'all. She did. I mean, she certainly, uh, to this day, doesn't even look her age. But beautiful girl. And she said, I was online yesterday, which was Sunday. During the middle of the day, the dude hits her up. She had a fake profile. I, um, I think she said she was 14. No, she was she was a fifteen year old girl that lived in Hammond, and the dude hit her up, and this guy hits her up, and he's like, "Hey, I'm in Livingston Parish, whatever." It starts immediately turning into a sexual thing, and then she of course plays along with it, but they don't entice it. But when he's like, you know, gets asked some questions like, "Are your boobs getting big yet?" and shit like that. And when she knows she's got him right, and she kind of plays it off and whatever, and and then it turns to sexual nature. She said, and then he started asking me about my nipples and if I had hair on my vagina yet. And I was like, Fuck, okay. So I'm still listening. I don't know how this ties into one of our deputies. And she said, she said that he was like, look, I'm going to come meet you tonight, this afternoon. He said, I get off of work at, at uh, six o'clock. He said, could you meet me? And she was like, sure, I can meet you. And he, and he's like, you know, I'm going to come over. And he said, I'll, I'll bring some condoms and I want to fuck you. And it said all other kind of nasty stuff in the messages, right? And so she says, sure. And where do you want to meet? And he said, you tell me where you live at. And so she, she said, I'll get right back to you. And she said she called around and tried to get back up, but Wayne was out of town fishing, and none of the other detectives could get free. So she was still hoping she could do it. She said it was like 4 o'clock, so she just told him. She said, look, I live in an apartment behind the Chevron off of 190 on the east side of town, or Florida Boulevard is what they call it, on the east side of town. She said, I'll meet you at the Chevron. She, uh, she said, I'll come up and meet you. And he said, okay. And he kept hitting her up with messages, and she kept saying that she was going to meet him. Well, shit, 550 rolls around. She's frantically trying to get some undercovers to come back her up and make the arrest, and she couldn't. And so she's like, fuck, I, I just had to, you know, I didn't tell him anything. Um, she said, I, I just wanted to see what would happen. I didn't want to burn it, right? You know, she said, I just figured I'd tell him that I got scared or what have you. So she says she didn't show up. Of course, she didn't go. And then about 8.30, he hits her back up online and it's like, hey, where were you? And she was like, oh, I couldn't get out. My parents wanted me to sit down and watch a movie with them. And he was like, oh, that's a shame. He said, I waited at the Chevron inside for you. He said, I, I sat around drinking coffee, talking to the clerk. And he said, maybe we can meet tomorrow. She said, sure, we can meet tomorrow. He said, it's going to have to be in the evening time um, again. And she said, that's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll make sure I can sneak out this time. And she said, so it was set up for that one. And I'm still thinking, how does she know it was a cop, right? A deputy. 
She said, well, look, what I did is we rolled over to the Chevron today and asked the manager who was working yesterday afternoon because we wanted to get a description on the guy. She said, she asked, she said, you know, can give me the information of the girl that was working last night because I need to talk to her and we need to find out this guy that was in the store at a certain time and if she can describe him for us. The manager calls the girl in and the girl comes in and says, yeah. The Texas told us, listen, was there a guy in here yesterday between like six and seven hanging out drinking coffee? She said, the only guy that was in here that stood around drinking coffee and talked to me for a bit was uh, some cop. And, and he said, a cop? And she said, yeah. And he said, well, how do you know he was a cop? She said, he had on a uniform. And she said, he said, a Hammond City uniform? She said, no, 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 no. He had a sheriff's office badge on. And they said, Tangible Parish Sheriff's Office? She said, no, uh-uh. He was from uh, Livingston Parish. And he was a deputy from Livingston Parish. She said, hell, he talked to me for like an hour and, and said he was just hanging out. He had just got off duty and, and all this. She said, matter of fact, he had one of those blue and white Sheriff's Office cars, that, that funny-looking blue. And they were like, okay. And so that's when they called Stan in. The, our chief of detectives, and they called him and said, hey, this is what we got, and Stan gave it to me. So I'm over there with him. I'm like, okay, so, you know, I said, I guess we need to find out who the fuck was over here yesterday. And he said, well, clerk said, he said he had just got off duty, working extra duty, paid detail. And I said, well, I limited it because we didn't have a lot of extra duty details at that time. And most cops make all their extra money from extra duty details. I made mine in court fees when I worked uniform patrol because you got paid $25 per person that you went to court on per day up to three. So I was making at least $75 every four days a week. But businesses will hire off-duty deputies to go out and sit and do whatever, whether it's Walmart. You know, you've seen the cops around in businesses and restaurants, stuff like that. So I think we only had like three or four at the time. And so I called the guy that was head of details for the sheriff's office. He's the one that issued him out. I said, look, man, I said, who, who was on details yesterday? And he said, and he told me. And the clerk had said the guy, the deputy, was tall and he was older and he had thick glasses and he had a reddish color hair. And I just, I couldn't for the life of me think who it was. And most of the time, y'all, the details were, were really hoarded up by deputies and the more senior deputies got the best details, if you will, okay? Favoritism, nepotism, you call it whatever you want to. And they, when they told me the description, I said, I don't know who the fuck that would be. So when I called the guy that was in the radio room that was over keeping track of the details, and he told me, he said, well, we got a deputy crumb. And I said, who is he? And he said, he, he's a jailer. And I said, they let jailers work details? And he said, yeah, if they, if they qualify with their duty weapon, or with a duty weapon, because jailers don't carry guns. He said, they have to go out on their own, qualify to be certified to carry the firearm and make arrests, et cetera. And then they'll let them work details. And I said, well, give me Crumb's information. And she did, or, or he did. And then uh, he sent me the picture of him. And so I called Stan and I said, look, it's going to be Crumb. And he said, who the fuck is that? And I said, he, he's a jailer. He said, oh, hold on, Hoss, I'm going to call you back. So he called the sheriff. And... Actually, I think Willie was out of town. It was in October or after October, after one of the elections. 
So he called Jason R. And, and Jason R. called the warden and found out who he was. And, and, and Stan called me back and said, look, he said, you need to come on back to the office. Um, he said, tell them to go ahead and set up the meet for this evening and we'll be there. He said, but come back to the office. We want to get a warrant on our end. And so I did. We went back. And what happens, y'all, is when you solicit a kid on the Internet in the state of Louisiana, you get two charges. You get one from where your computer's at and one from where the kid or alleged kid receives the uh, solicitation from. So they were in Tangipoa Parish, Hammonds in Tangipoa Parish, which is the next parish over, and then Livingston Parish. So we got back. Um, I made the warrant based off of the detective statement from Hammond PD for Wilbur Keith Crum, who's 48 years old. All right, now check this out. You want to hear something really twisted? Crum had only been with sheriff's office for a short time, less than two years. But guess what? He was retired correctional officer from Angola, Louisiana. Now, we didn't live in Angola, but he was retired from Angola prison. So he did 25 years at Angola as a correctional officer. And here he is trying to screw a 15-year-old girl that he's meeting over the Internet. And worse yet, this fucker shows up in a cop uniform. So I made the warrant for his arrest for computer-aided solicitation of a minor. And that's where the charge goes on both ends. So I went and made ours up for Livingston Parish. And I walked it down. I actually had Tina Stafford. Tina Stafford, you know you were the best secretary in the world if you ever get to hear this episode. She was a master at banging out warrants. I could just tell her the information over the phone, and she'd have it there when, when I got there. And then I'd take it to the judge, which I did, and got it signed. And then I went back to Hammond to wait. And then she was Wayne's wife was still, was, had been in contact with Crum all day long, and he even put his dick on camera and stuff. She was just really letting him hang himself out there, and he was masturbating, and, and we were sitting around watching. It was funny, but it wasn't funny. I mean, that's kind of what cops do is laugh about some serious shit. I had, I had, a, I had a rage and case of the red ass for this fucker and that he showed up in uniform and in a marked unit to try to have sex with a 15 year old but the fact that we're sitting around all day and she's teasing him and playing the game and and she's like can you show me yourself and he gets on camera and his wife was home uh and he lived in a trailer his wife was home because one time he was masturbating in front of the camera and his wife was coming in, came in the room and he had to cover it up with a pillow. I mean, it's pretty fucking funny, but it wasn't funny. And by any means, by anything to do with, you know, solicitation of a mind or anything like that, but it was funny that she was playing this guy along and we, I knew I was going to get to do his ass. So we go and we set up. What we did was we had, so he wouldn't get scared, we didn't use any marked units, and we had two undercover Hammond units there in the parking lot, and I was sitting in a parking lot across the street with Detective Chuck Watts, and the we were waiting, uh, you know, to make sure he's going to show up, and then they had a Tangipoa unit, a sheriff's office unit close by, but not where the crumb could have seen it from, from the direction he was coming from. So six o'clock rolls around and sure enough, here comes a blue and white. It was a jail unit. He didn't get, this wasn't his take home unit. The jail had a unit for deputies that were certified to work extra duty details in 
they had to check it out to work the extra duty details. So this was his days off and he was working extra duty details, going and checking out the, the unit from the prison, parish jail, whatever you want to call it, from the jail and then going to the detail. Then he's riding around like the big badass police going to fuck a 15 year old. So he pulls up at a gas station and we had it planned out. I said, listen, when y'all do it, he pulls up, you know, just approach him. And he, once he sees you, I mean, obviously he's going to be armed, right? And, you know, it's just getting to talking and I said, I'm going to come up behind him. And so they did. He pulls up in the unit. He gets out. And before he goes in the store, they walk up on him. And now we, we pull across the street at that time. And I'm getting out. He's got his back turned to me. And then he was like, hey, fellas, talking when he saw the badges and the guns on on the Hanjipo deputies and the Hammond City uh, detectives. He's like, hey, fellas, how y'all doing? He's like, I was just stopping to get some gas for my unit. And I came up behind him and grabbed a hold of his weapon with both hands and Chuck grabbed him from the other side and they grabbed him. Uh, the detectives grabbed him from the front. And I said, he turned around and he saw me in his eyes. He knew sugar had turned to shit and he was fucked. His eyes got big. He was like, oh, oh, Detective Overton. And I said, yeah, motherfucker, Detective Overton. I said, y'all advise him of his rights because it was their jurisdiction, not mine. So they advised him his rights and uh, told him he was under arrest. And I then I advised him his rights. I said, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to and during question. If you can't afford one, a court appoint one for you, fucker. I said, you understand your rights? He said, what are you talking about, Detective Overton? What are you talking about? I took off his duty weapon. I said, you're under arrest. I said, you know why you're here. I said, you're here to fuck a 15-year-old. He said, no, I'm not. No way. Uh-uh. I said, yeah, motherfucker. I said, guess what? The one that you've been talking to as an undercover cop that you've been talking to since yesterday, you showed up here yesterday in this unit in your uniform and you waited around for. And I said, you showed up here today. He said, I did not. I said, I said, hold on, y'all. I said, before you put the cuffs on him, I grabbed the front of his shirt, his uniform, and I ripped it. I popped all the buttons off of it and I tore the shirt off of him and then I made him take his pants off of him. I said, take your fucking pants off, pulled his boots off, looking for any, any extra weapons was my excuse. Made him take his boots off, pulled his fucking pants off and had him out there in his drawers and his, and his under t-shirt. And I said, you're a fucking disgrace to this uniform. You're a disgrace to law enforcement and your fucking ass is going to prison. So let's take him back to the office and interview him. And he was like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. So they take him back to the detective's office for Hammond City and get him in there. And he was like, I ain't saying shit. And they couldn't get him to say anything. They advised him. It was right. He, he said this. He said, I was there. He said, you're right. I was talking to a young lady on the computer yesterday. And I only went over there to uh, so I could meet her parents and tell them she had better watch herself because there's bad people on the internet and i was like mm, this motherfucker is just not too smart um and they came out and they said and he said i ain't saying nothing else besides that i said fine so i went in i sat down i said key i said what do you think those old boys are gonna do at angola that you've watched for 25 years when they find out you're out here and you got busted trying to fuck a 15 year old he said i didn't do that detective overton he said, I didn't do that. He said, I have nothing but uh, the ultimate respect for you and the cases that you made and all the bad guys back there that you put on the cell block, the murders and rapists and such. And I would never do that. I said, you're a motherfucking liar. I said, next time I ask you, if you fucking feel like you have to lie to me and just keep your fucking mouth shut because you're going to insult my intelligence if you tell me anything other than 
yeah, I was horny and I I made a mistake in bad personal judgment. And I went to have, you know, meet up with this 15 year old. I said, you cannot deny it. I said, you say anything else, I'm likely to knock your fucking teeth out. I said, because you went over there in my uniform representing my sheriff and it's fucked up. I said, I'm going to make sure everybody knows what your ass is in there for and that you are a correctional officer, career correctional officer, whatever fucking prison you go to, bitch. I said, and guess what? The minimum the district attorney will take on this. And now we had the same district attorney for Tangipo Parish and Levinson Parish and St. Helena Parish. I said the minimum plea they will take is two years on each end. And that's from the attorney general of the state of Louisiana. So you're going to do a minimum of four years. There's no pro- no probation on fucking around with trying to have sex with kids on this solicitation through the computer shit. And I'd done a couple cases on this, y'all. So I, I, I'm, I wasn't bullshitting. I was telling the truth. He was going to, the minimum, if he pled out guilty right then, I said, your minimum you're going to get is fucking four years. And then good, with good time, you'll get out in two. And I said, but you, you will do some fucking hard time. And you know that you can get inmate justice. I said, but you go fight it. I said, you're fucked. And he started to say something. I said, no, no, no. I said, if you say anything other than I'm fucking guilty, I'm, a, you know, I'm not going to be responsible for my physical reaction to you. I said, let me tell you how fucking stupid you are. I said, hey, you think I'm bullshitting you about these charges? You don't know what we have. I said, we have everything that you did yesterday, which wasn't nearly as bad as what you did today, which is including you had your redheaded pecker out jacking off for a 15-year-old. And he was like, no. I said, shut up, motherfucker. I said, you did. I said, you want to tell you how I know? I can tell you the color of the throw pillow that you covered your dick up with when your wife walked into the room. And she said, what do you want for lunch? I can't remember exactly what it was, y'all, that she said, but the detectives had told me, and I'd listened to the audio, right? And I think if she walked in and said, what do you want for lunch or whatever it was, and he covered his dick up, and his eyes got big, he knew I had him. I said, guess what, you fuck stick? I said, all that is on camera. I said, you are going to get fucked, literally and metaphorically. Especially when you go before the judge. I said, I pray you go before a judge and you have a judge trial, or even if you're stupid enough to have a jury trial, you go before them and you say this lame ass excuse about, I went over there to warn this young lady's parents that she was misbehaving on the internet because I'm deputy do good, fuck face. I said, you're done. I said, you're going to get like 20 years. And he said, he started crying and he said, okay, okay. Uh, You know, he said, I was horny and I shouldn't have done it. And I, he said, I was hoping that maybe she really wasn't 15. Maybe she was older and she was lying. And, and he said, but, but I was going to tell her parents. I said, no, 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 motherfucker. I said, you weren't going to tell her parents, but thank you for the confession anyway. It's all been recorded on audio and video and have a nice fucking life. And I left and he was booked into the Tanchville Parish Jail and they, the judge put a $100,000 bond on him and I put a hold on him if he made the bond, Tancho Parish, which his wife could have got a bail bondsman. Usually it's like 10 to 13% of whatever the amount is. So she would have had to come up with like 13,000 cash. I put a hold on him for Tancho Hoa when he was released, got bonded out. He was to be remanded into our custody and we would send somebody over there to transport him to us. And then he got, gets booked into Livingston jail. The bond was the same thing. He had to come up with another 100000 But I left him there. And I forgot to tell you earlier today that uh, I'd already gotten a search warrant for his house. 
for his computer and everything for the case. And so we went to his address up on Beaver Stream Drive in Denham Springs. And hell, I had to tell his wife. And uh, I mean, I don't know. And I knocked on the door and told her where I was. And she said, well, what's the problem? And I said, well, your, your husband is under arrest. And she said, what for? And I said, and he's trying to have sex with a 15-year-old. She's like, started crying and everything. I said, listen, I said, Look, I got a search warrant for your place. I said, but, you know, we're going to respect you. And I'll answer any questions that I can answer of you. But for right now, you just need to have a seat and let us do our thing. And so we went through and seized this computer. Uh, it was a a desktop, like an older style computer with a tower stand. Fuck, I don't know what you call those things, but the uh, hard drive. It wasn't a, it wasn't a laptop. And so it took that. And then there was a small laptop in, a, in another bedroom. But I knew, I saw it was his living room. He was jacking off in, but we took all the computers in the house and, and then, uh, you know, we looked for any type of child porn and stuff like that. And that's it. Turned it in, sent it into the crime lab. And I never heard anything else out of crumb. I don't know what happened to him, but I know he got at least four years and he got it for hard time. So there are good and bad in every profession. I don't care if you're a burger flipper, a, a brain surgeon or a cop. There are good and bad in every profession. And, you know, I never tolerated shitty cops. If the, I always say there's three kinds of cops. The ones who operate strictly by the book, I call that the white area. And those are the kind of cops who need the badge to feel like a man. Those are the ones who pull you over and lecture you for an hour and a half while they're writing you a ticket. It just, but they're scared to go answer a real call. And then there's the ones that are operating in the black area, like Crum, Keith Crum, who have sex with kids or rape people or, or selling dope or whatever, or, you know, abuse their position for bad shit. And I didn't have really have, I mean, I certainly could deal with the ones who, who were the tight ass pussies that hid behind, pardon my French, wussies that hid behind the badge that made them feel like a man, right? Yeah, I had to deal with them, unfortunately, every day. But the bad ones, I locked their ass up, didn't give it a heartbeat. Now, every true good cop operates in what we call, what I call the gray area. I mean, you know where the line is and you know, sometimes you, I mean, you just got to stay in the gray area to get to get the juice, especially on confessions, just like him. And I, I was a dead serious. If he had lied to me one more time, I probably would have fucking lost my job and punched him in the mouth. But sometimes you have to do what you have to do to get the juice. And it's a gray area, right? But good and bad in every profession. And it's unfortunate the way people, the cops are imbued in general today. I wouldn't work uniform patrol again at this time. I just couldn't do it. Uh, I mean, it's the culture is just horrible. And I'm not saying shit, y'all. I do defense work now. I mean, I bust cops all the time, but bad cops and they deserve to be busted. So anyway, I hope you thank you for being a patron member. I love y'all. Appreciate it. it. You know, on this one, I'm to try to hurry up and get out to y'all. It might not be that. It may not be the best, but just trying to show y'all some love. Listen, if you're a higher tier member or if we owe you a mug or I owe you some FaceTime, the talk thing or whatever the benefits are on the tier, if you haven't received your sticker or whatever, send us an email and we will get it out to you. It's I got to leave it up to y'all's responsibility to keep us up on um, the dates and what we owe you. And as soon as you send it, somebody sent an email a while ago about their mug and, and we'll get it out tomorrow, but there's no way I can keep up with it and do everything else. So you know what your, what your benefits are. If you do something, Hey, hit me up. 
will take care of you. Got much love for our patrons. Love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. Thank you for being a patron. Couldn't do it without you. Love you, love you, love you. And till next time, forever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. I'm Jaron, co-host of the Criminal Prince Podcast. On the Criminal Prince Podcast, we cover all types of cases. Murder, abductions, heists, and anything else we can analyze. Check out the Criminal Prince Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or find us on Twitter at Podcast Criminal. After you finish this podcast, be sure to check out the Criminal Prince Podcast. Remember, keep your record clean and your prints off the scene.
you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney prior to and during questioning. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. You understand your rights? 